1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Homestand, the official podcast of the Kansas City Royals. I'm your host, Carrie Lipper-Gillespie, and I am really jazzed to welcome our guest today, Jake Eisenberg. You are the newest addition to the Royals broadcast crew.
0: Yeah, I don't know that everyone's ever described being jazzed to, to talk to me, but I'll take it.
1: It's a true fact. I am jazzed to talk to you. We talk quite a bit, you know, throughout game days and things like that. So I already know you a decent amount, but I'm really excited that our fans are going to get to know you a little bit more. They hear your voice a lot. You know, you know, fans know you and your voice, but we want them to get to know you as a person, not you necessarily as the voice of the Royals.
0: Okay, let, let's dive right in.
1: Now, first of all, you grew up on the East Coast. Tell us some about where you grew up.
0: Sure. I grew up in Port Washington, New York. It's on the north shore of Long Island. The easiest way to think about that is it's about a 40-minute drive east of New York City, or I guess in baseball terms, about a 20-minute drive east of Shea Stadium. So I grew up going to Mets games at Shea Stadium, grew up taking the train to games at Shea Stadium, and that's pretty much where my baseball love is was born and, and blossomed and continued to grow.
1: So were you outgoing as a kid? Were you talkative as a kid? I, You know, I imagine you liked sports from the get-go. Was baseball like always your sport?
0: baseball was always the sport. It's what I played growing up in Little League. It's what I played in middle school. It's what I played very poorly in high school (laughs) before I switched over to playing tennis and and doing some other things. Uh, But baseball was always the sport that I loved the most and wanted to be around the most. And as far as being talkative goes when I was younger, I I don't know that I was the most talkative kid. I definitely wasn't a quiet kid. I definitely wasn't an introvert. Uh, I was always kind of more extroverted, more outgoing. I mean, did school musicals in middle school and high school and that sort of thing. So there is a performance base that exists and just always enjoyed talking to people and talking about sports.
1: So when did you think that this sports could be a career for you? Did you think you were going to be the shortstop for the Mets?
0: (laughs) That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I mean, me too. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up wanting to be the shortstop for the New York Mets. And then I quickly realized after about fifth grade that that probably wasn't going to be the case and didn't really think about sports as a career in this sense or in any other sense really until i got to high school i was the sports editor of the student newspaper in high school Uh, the high school had a radio station wdot sports uh, and we got to do like a 30-minute talk show during lunch that went absolutely nowhere by the way there was nobody listening it was like a closed circuit inside the school and nobody knew how to tune in anyway but we had a lot of fun with it and that was the first chance i got to do any sort of broadcasting but when i went to college when i went to the university of maryland I didn't think about doing play-by-play at all. I hadn't really ever done play-by-play. I did one quarter of one basketball game in high school, and it wasn't really until I got to college that I started doing play-by-play and loving play-by-play and then ultimately pursuing play-by-play.
1: All right. Well, tell us about college, University of Maryland. What are they called? The tur-
0: Oh, come on, (laughs) Carrie. Sorry. The Terrapins. The Terrapins. you got to fear the turtle.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) So tell us some about that. You went to the journalism school there, and it's a great journalism school, isn't it? Yeah,
0: really good journalism school. It's, you know, it's called, there's a building called Knight Hall that's on campus. That's where all the journalism classes take place. And and truth be told, it was a great foundation for a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And especially when I got to college, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a a beat writer covering baseball and also maybe occasionally talk on TV, something like a Tim Kirkjian, who's also a Maryland alum. And so I was trying to follow a path like that. And once you're on campus, you start to discover a bunch of different opportunities outside the classroom to kind of hone whatever craft it is that you want to do. There's the student newspaper, the Diamondback. But the first immediate opportunity was the student radio station, WMUC Sports. And within two weeks, my freshman roommate and I had a an hour-long talk show at like eight o'clock that, again, nobody listened to and nobody knew how to listen to. But we had airtime and got to, you know, hang out and mess around and have a good time. And that led to some play-by-play, Bob play-by-play opportunities with WMUC Sports calling initially women's basketball and men's basketball and then into some spring sports did a little bit of softball and then the following year there were a couple of football games and I didn't really actually start calling baseball until my sophomore year of college in 2015 with with the Maryland baseball team.
1: Well I want to hear more about your morning show that you. I really
0: don't think you do I don't think you understand the extent to which the content was incredibly boring I mean it was just like a rip on every sports show you could possibly think of we would you know come up with three different topics here and three different topics there and talk about you know what happened in the world of baseball or basketball and it was really just like a bunch of nonsense and just a fun conversation but it was something that helped us feel comfortable and more Mm -hmm. comfortable on the air and more comfortable with that part of performance that ultimately, you know, we might end up wanting to do. So it was really just like a a laboratory that nobody was listening to where we got a chance to do whatever we want for about an hour. And it didn't really matter.
1: Did you ever see yourself going into more of like that talk show host or anything like Stern or something like that? No,
0: not really. And I I think once I started doing play by play, I realized that That was the thing for me, describing the action as it was happening was the thing. It wasn't so much for me needing to share an opinion on what we were watching, and I certainly didn't really have all that many strong opinions about X, Y, or Z, but but the art of trying to find the right verb for the right moment and the right descriptors for the right emotional context for the game that we were watching and that we were sharing that's the thing that that really captivated me and it it really started calling women's basketball because that was the first chance I had to do any sort of play-by-play and from there it was baseball
1: Did you also do like some field hockey? Oh, yeah.
0: Did a ton of field hockey.
1: So did you, you know, field hockey isn't one of the big, you know, sports, you know, basketball, baseball, football, like and even NHL, soccer. But like, I wouldn't know the first thing about field hockey. So did you like... I didn't know the first thing about field hockey. I was going to say, how did you learn? I had a
0: high school girlfriend that played field hockey. I went to like two of her matches and that was the only thing I knew about field hockey until I got to college. And it was the sort of sport that you watch a few times and you start to pick up a few things here or there. And uh, I had been to the field hockey complex a bunch. And Maryland's field hockey program is perennially top ten in the country. It's a really good field hockey team. And there were opportunities to call field hockey. And that's really what this entire college experience is about. It's just finding an opportunity and saying yes to it. And so the chance to call field hockey games both on the radio and then for the BTN student U program, Big Ten Network had a program Mm -hmm. where students at the schools both called and produced these games on campus and there was a chance to do field hockey. And I would sit down with a couple of the players. I would sit down with the head coach, Missy Mahark, who is a legend in the world of field hockey and they basically explained how the game worked. Mm -hmm. And it was learning from them that I was able to kind of just take that and run with it and basically call as many field hockey games as they would let me. And that led to some other opportunities calling volleyball or other basketball games. And ultimately, you know, started focusing on a baseball sophomore year, a lot junior year and senior year, too.
1: Yeah. So why did you pick baseball? Was it just because you loved that sport the most? That's
0: because, yeah, it's because that's the sport. That's okay. the sport that I grew up loving to watch. It's the sport I grew up loving to play. It's the sport I grew up loving to listen to, listening to Howie Rose on the radio, watching Gary Cohen on television, the Mets broadcasts specifically, and then other broadcasts across the country as that became an easier thing to do You know, over the course of the five or ten years that I was in high school and then in college. Um, and so that was always the sport that I wanted to do the most. And once I had the chance to do it, I wanted to do it even more.
1: All the time. I, I want to know what your thinking was going into your career? Because when you decide to you want to be in journalism, play-by-play or whatever it is you want to do, there's so many routes you can take with that. You could seek out working for a network where you kind of travel around and and do various things for different teams. You could uh, work for a conference and do things like that. You could work for a team like you are right now. Did you have in your mind what you wanted your route to look like?
0: No. No. (laughs) That's the short That's what most people say. Well, so the thing that because as you get to be a junior in college and a senior in college and you start thinking about, oh oh my goodness, what is going to be next? I have no idea what this world is going to look like. All I know is this, is this is the goal. This is the end point for now of what I want to accomplish. And for me, that was I want to be a broadcaster for a major league baseball team. And then it becomes, okay, how could you possibly get to that point? Yeah. And luckily for me, there were a lot of people ahead of me in school and around the country that had started dipping their toes into minor league baseball these are people that i was classmates with these are people that i had connected with through going to the baseball winter meetings or just reaching out to and asking advice from uh, other broadcasters that i'd listened to on the radio or seen on tv reaching out to them and saying hey like how did you get here Mm -hmm. what did you do to get better at this and you start to see the shadows of a path and the thing that everybody tells you that There is no one path no there is no set of rules that says do this do that do this other thing and you'll end up here it Mm -hmm. doesn't work like that at all and it's practically for the best that it doesn't work like that at all because then you get a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds with a bunch of different experiences all in this same place and so coming out of college yes the end goal was broadcaster for a major league baseball team but the immediate short-term goal was okay get into professional baseball somehow and that somehow was okay let's go do minor league baseball let's see what that's like see if this is actually the thing that you think it is that Mm -hmm. you might want to do for you know hopefully a very 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 long time and fortunately enough for me I, i i loved it from from the first game
1: all right let's take a quick break here Is there an internship or a person, a mentor, someone maybe during your, whether it was the beginning of your career or college, who like kind of took you under their wing or shaped, you know, how you have turned out to be, you know, what you are today?
0: There are countless. Yeah. And that's the truth is that this is not a solo endeavor. Mm -hmm. It never was meant to be. It was never going to be. And thankfully there are slews of people along the way that have listened to a half-inning and given me some feedback that have given me some advice on different jobs that I may have applied for and said hey this one you know might teach you this, this one might teach you that, that person's really good over there this organization is known for for doing this and so you know I could name a list of names and I mean I'll I'll give you a few of them I mean first and foremost um, I would mention Scott Kornberg who was an upperclassman at Maryland when I was a junior in high school and when I toured the Maryland campus, he was the station director at WEC. And he gave me his email address to reach out if I had any questions. And he'd graduated by the time I got to campus. But Scott is a play-by-play broadcaster, went into minor league baseball, and was the first person that I knew that was doing the thing professionally that I wanted to do. He gave me a model of success and opened my eyes to the world of minor league baseball, which I didn't really know all that much about beforehand and i've sent countless tapes to scott to critique and he is an incredible person an incredible broadcaster and continues to be so he's one john Vetus is another another minor league broadcaster that i called games with at maryland and the first scorecard that i had was one that john created i called games with maryland, uh, at maryland with john in 2015 which was maryland's run to a second straight super regional Jose Quas was on that team as an infielder. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Mike Schwarn was on that team. He was with the Royals for a little bit a couple of seasons ago at the minor league level. Um, But these are formative experiences with these two people in particular that helped shape the person I am, the broadcaster I am. And then getting into minor league baseball, my first job was with the Brooklyn Cyclones in in 2017. And Billy Harner, the director of communications there, gave me my first chance to do this. I go to Winston-Salem and Joe Weil was the lead broadcaster there and he taught me how to do this every single day. I hadn't really done the everyday grind Mm -hmm. of minor league baseball until I had gotten to Winston-Salem. After that, I went to Richmond. Trey Wilson was the lead broadcaster there. Not only are these terrific people, but these are terrific mentors Mm -hmm. in helping shape the way that I call a game, the way that I go about the things that I do. Time management is such, such an important part about a baseball season, and especially a minor league baseball season, And those two in particular helped build my skill set to the point where I was ready and lucky enough to have the job in Omaha a couple Mm -hmm. of years later. And the people that I would send clips and tapes to across Major League Baseball over the last few years in Omaha have helped, you know, build my skill set to the point where this opportunity was a a reality, Mm -hmm. you know. I've had countless conversations with Ryan and Stu and Fizz and Denny and Joel and all of the Royals broadcasters. I've had countless conversations with the Mets broadcasters. I was lucky enough to be with them a little bit in 2022. Howie Rose, and I've said this to him before, and I thanked him for this before, but growing up listening to him, then getting the chance to ask him questions when I was a broadcaster in Brooklyn, which is a Mets affiliate, and get to know him a little bit. And then get the chance to call games with him uh, in 2022. I mean, he has had as much, if not more of an impact on who I am, not just as a baseball broadcaster, but as a baseball fan than just about anybody on this planet. Because I learned the game from listening to him Mm -hmm. and I learned how to be a broadcaster later on from listening to him. And then got better as a broadcaster from the things that he taught me, the things that I observed that he would do. Mm-hmm. And so, you ask if there's one mentor? The answer is no. There are countless, um, and there are certainly people that that stick out uh, along the way. But it's a, it's not a solo endeavor. No, it never will be.
1: And you have to be open to criticism and and open to, to hearing what people say and kind of molding like who you are and how you deliver your craft as you go. Now, you're, you're a pretty young guy still. You had a pretty quick rise through the minor leagues, to be honest with you. We talk about players going through the minor leagues, but you're under 30. I won't reveal your age, but you're under
0: 30. <laughs> it's not a secret. I'm, I'm 28.
1: There you go. Well, you just you never know. It's not a secret. Uh, so uh, you're 28, and you're already a play-by-play broadcaster in the big leagues. That's insane. So, you know, to your credit, Everyone in this position, whether you're on camera, on the radio, whatever it is, like you can have the the talent and the drive, but you need someone at some point to give you a shot, to give you a break, to say, I'm going to give you the opportunity, go prove it to me. And you've had those people, which is great, but you've put in the work and like, it's incredible that you are where you are at such a young age.
0: It's insane. It's frankly. insane. And I say that because there are still moments and I hope there will continue to be moments where... I'm sitting next to Denny in in the radio booth or sitting next to HUD in the TV booth and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, how did I get here? What did I do to deserve the chance to be here? And it is an awesome responsibility to be there and to be a part of this organization and get to share these games with this fan base. And it's not something I, I take lightly at all. And I'm just grateful for every, because it's not just the opportunity to get to, to this point, to, to be a part of the Kansas City Royals, but the opportunity to join the Omaha Storm Chasers, or join the Richmond Flying Squirrels, or the Winston-Salem Dash, or the Brooklyn Cyclones, or even the chance to broadcast Maryland Athletics in, in every iteration. There's somebody every step of the way that has said, you know what, yeah, you can You could probably do this, we'll give you a chance, yep. and luckily enough, they, they did give me a chance, and luckily enough, you know, each spot has led to the next one in ways I could not have even imagined.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would love to know how you balance, you know, the describing what's going on and all those little intricacies that's important to a play-by-play, but then also the storytelling aspect when you maybe have to fill dead time or when it's just the game is slower. And granted, the game tends not to be slower now that we have a pitch clock. But, you know, part of journalism that I love is the storytelling aspect and getting to know our coaches, our players, things like that. And being able to interject those little stories, whether the guy on first base for the other team, you know, went to college with, uh, you know, someone on our team and being able to like tell these little stories and these little anecdotes. How do you balance those?
0: Well, I think about what is going to be most relatable for just your average human. I mean, I think we have a tendency to look at the field and see players and, I think it's important, if not vital, that we look at the field and see people first. Because all of these players, these people, have backgrounds. They have families. They have experiences, in large part shared experiences, that we've all gone through also. I mean, how many guys on this team have gotten engaged recently, or gotten married recently, or welcomed their first child recently? Those are shared human experiences that you have, whether or not you're a major league player or not, but they all went to high school somewhere. A lot of them went to college somewhere. So these are all things that help us relate to these superhuman athletes that we're watching. And so you think about relatability, and then I think about, okay, what's the thing that's really going to stick in your brain that you're going to remember from what we're talking about? If I tell you that Nick Prado is batting 300 against fastballs over the outer third of the plate situationally that could be a really important number depending on what's going on but chances are that's going in one ear and out the other and it'll be really important maybe for that moment but when you're talking to somebody the next day and they're saying like hey you know how was the game you're not going to bring that up Mm -hmm. but if i tell you that nick prado and his fiance hannah have a dog named nash And they named it Nash because they've been to Nashville a bunch and they really loved it there and that's what they wanted to name their dog. That's going to stick in your head for a little bit longer. That's something that when you're talking to somebody at the grocery store or Mm -hmm. you see someone at a Little League game and they're like, oh, you know, like Nick Prado, he's really good. You know, did you know he's got a dog named Nash? Like, that's the thing that's going to stick with you. That's going to help you get to know these people on the field a little bit more deeply and i think when we are relating the game that we're watching to this fan base to our audience to anybody that wants to tune in or watch that the more we can connect with these people the better off we are the more enjoyable this all becomes because ultimately and this is a tenant i think of humanity is we want to root for our fellow humans mm-hmm. and when you look at them as players you look at them more as as robots Mm -hmm. instead of the humans that they are when you look at them as humans it becomes a lot easier to root for them or feel for them when things aren't going as well and so when it comes to story time so to speak during a baseball broadcast there's a feel to it knowing you know at what point of the game you're at if it's a one-run game in the ninth inning probably not the time that we're going to share a lighthearted story about player x or person y we're probably going to hone in on the game a little bit more but let's say it's a five-run game in the sixth and samad taylor comes to the plate in his second big league game you know we need to introduce who samad taylor is as a person to this audience and there's a chance that because there were so many things happening the day before with his big league debut that maybe there's a couple stories or a couple things we learned about samad over the last couple of days that we didn't get the chance to share Mm -hmm. now's now's the time to share those things and you know maybe he fouls off a pitch or two and gives us a little bit more time to talk about who samad is and where he's from but those are the moments where those stories come into play and they really elevate a broadcast
1: yeah and you're right like balancing it and and evaluating what would be nice for our fans to know because we get to see them every day like we're we're spoiled for sure but we have uh the opportunity to share help the fans know them better and to be able to do that is like a gift but it's also like a responsibility and something that we should take seriously and I know you guys all do when you're doing your prep and having conversations with them or our coaching staff and and how we get to know them and the the fans wouldn't know those things if they you guys didn't put in the preparation to do that and share it with our fans
0: right and it's one of the fun things about major league debuts in particular because you have a completely blank canvas that chances are not many people listening or watching have seen this person play before some of them may have heard of this player some of them may not and we have a chance to really introduce this player to our royals community having the privilege of being in omaha the last couple of years and getting to know so many of the players on this team that have come through truth is i remember introducing them so to speak at the triple a level i remember when Bobby and Nick showed up to Werner Park for the first time and their AAA debuts and MJ Melendez's AAA debut and when Drew Waters came over to the organization is his AAA debut and that's just on the position player side so in some ways the, the the weird part is that I've already done that before to a completely different audience and there may be an overlap in the audience between Royals fans here that are also maybe tuning into a minor league game here and there and so maybe you've heard snippets of something before but knowing where these guys have come from being able to kind of share that information again and also watch them fulfill their dream it is such a cool thing
1: yeah yeah it is let's pause for a word from our sponsors Let's head to our lightning round. Oh, God. I'm so excited for this. All right. now This is one wow. I added because, uh, you know, you have a specific diet. What is the ballpark with the best gluten-free food options? Oh,
0: so this is this is a challenging one. Ballparks, it, it tends to be pretty hit or miss. Uh-huh. There are some ballparks that have, you know, gluten-free buns for a hot dog. I'll say this, though. The thing that is gluten-free everywhere is ice cream. Uh- and it tastes better in a helmet cup. You- I've said this before, and I will say it forever and ever. It is. It's science. It tastes ice cream. Tastes better in a souvenir helmet cup. That's kind of become Trust your thing me. on
1: Twitter. I've noticed. I
0: mean, I don't know if it's become my thing. I mean, it's a thing that. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you the origin story. How's okay. that? So, when I was younger, and my parents would take us to to Mets games, and we would, you know, go to the game right around like the sixth or seventh inning, we would always you know, go to the concession stand and we would get, you know, a treat or something, popcorn, cotton candy, whatever. And uh, invariably, more often than not, it was ice cream because I love ice cream. And we would always want to get the souvenir helmet. Gotta. And so we would have the ice cream and, you know, you would try and eat it fast because otherwise it would melt into the helmet because it was always pretty hot. And then you would have this souvenir helmet that my mom amazingly would, you know, run to the bathroom and clean out, and then we'd actually have it as a souvenir. You know, I would try and wear it, you know, on the train ride home or in the car or whatever, and then it would go on the shelf in my bedroom. And um, But that that thing, ice cream in a helmet cup, has always been a way that I've connected my childhood. To, I've connected to my childhood baseball experience. And so it's something that I've had to had to pull back on a little bit because I can't have it every single day. I think you should. I, I would love to. Probably not a great idea. Again, there's a wedding coming up. I'd like to you know look good in the tux. Uh, so every now and again, you know, whether it's at the K or at ballparks around the country, pregame, if I've got if I've got some time, you know, during a lap around the field, you know, trying to soak in what that ballpark has to offer, I'll stop and get ice cream in a helmet cup because yeah. it's just the thing that reminds you of the pure joy of being at a ballpark and yeah. being at a baseball game. And that's the thing that I connect to. So that's where that really started. And it's something I started doing in minor league baseball, you know, over the last 5 years and have now continued doing it now at the big league level.
1: Jake the ice cream man. Let's I'll make take it, a, it let's make it a thing. Sure. Do you have a welcome to the big leagues moment where it really hit you that like this is your job and you made it?
0: A welcome to the big leagues moment. I would say there are a few.
1: Do you have a favorite?
0: I remember the first time i was introduced on the air uh was my my first big league broadcast was in arizona it was mets diamondbacks uh last year april 22nd and i remember the first time that i was basically proverbially handed the the microphone the baton to do play-by-play uh and that was kind of like a a hair-raising moment
1: yeah they said your name and you're like wait that's me
0: exactly exactly (laughs) like oh wow i'm here this is happening this is real um and then, weirdly, also like the first time you tossed a break, and you say the thing that you've been hearing your entire life, that was kind of like a whoa sort of moment. Um, and I remember my first major league game. So th- this goes to to my role with the Mets that year, and I was I was a fill in broadcaster for the Mets, uh, filling in for Howie Rose on a lot of road games for the most part, and occasionally called some games with Howie, but this particular series. I was filling in for Howie. And so in that role, I did play-by-play for the third inning, the fourth inning, and the seventh inning. And then if the game went to extra innings, I would do the even-numbered innings. I would do the 10th, 12th, 14th, so on and so forth. My other part, my my other job as part of that broadcast was if the Mets were winning, I needed to be down by the field ready to do a post-game interview on the field for the radio broadcast. So... When we were on the road, let's say the Mets are winning, going into the bottom of the ninth inning, in between the top of the ninth and the bottom of the ninth, I'm leaving the booth and going down to the field. Hightailing it down there. And getting ready to do a post-game interview. So, first ever big league game. Uh, the Mets are winning 5-4, to four, going into the bottom of the ninth. And I run down to the field, I find the spot. Okay, we made it. Edwin Diaz is on the mound, and he was sensational last year. You're thinking, okay, this game's over. There's the first out. There's the second out. Yeah, this game's over. Then Dalton Varsho comes to the plate and hits a solo home run to right field. That ties the game. And I don't remember seeing the ball land. I remember seeing the ball leave the bat and knowing, oh, that's gone. Oh, this is a tie game. Oh, this might go to extras. I've got to get back to the booth so I can call the 10th inning. Here's the problem. Uh, This is the first time I'd ever been in Chase Field in my life, and I had no clue where I was going. I knew how to get down to the field. I didn't know how to get back up. And I thought it would be kind of simple. I was like, all right, you know what? The press box is up. Stairs go up. Let's find some stairs (laughs) and go up. And so that's what I did. I found the first staircase I could, and I ran up, and I got to the press box level and tried to open the door, and it's locked. And there's no one on the other side. And I've got headphones on and a wireless connection. like I can hear that by now we're heading to the 10th inning. The inning has ended. Keep in mind, this was a two-out game-tying home run. So the inning could end on the very next pitch, and I knew that. So I'm thinking, I've got like 90 seconds to figure out where I am and how to get to where I need to go. So I ran back down the stairs, ran around the concourse, found an usher. They told me, oh, you've got to go to this door with this elevator. That'll get you up to the press box. If you've ever been to Chase Field, that press box is a little bit of a maze. There's just like a lot of different turns. It's a really long hallway, very easy to get lost in. So this is the perfect scenario. So we get up the elevator. It opens up. I fly out of the doors. I'm sprinting at this point. And I managed to make all the correct turns to get back into the booth without 10 seconds to spare before the top of the 10th inning began. Sat back down. And I am huffing and puffing like I just ran the mile for gym class. And... All I'm thinking is, these first couple of pitches, please just take a pitch, because I need to hit the cough button so that it mutes my mic (laughs) and go. (gasps) Yeah, you're probably out of breath. Completely out of breath. And I'm just like praying that nothing big happens, because I don't have the air to deliver the call for that moment. Uh, Caught my breath. Mets took the lead in the top of the 10th inning on an overturned call at first base. Run came in to score on an overturned uh, bang-bang play at first. And then they win it in the bottom of the 10th inning, 6-5. to five. And so my first big league game, I got to say that the Mets won the game, which is not a thing that in my role I would ever really get to say except in that specific instance, an extra inning win on the road. And sure enough, it just happened to be the first game that I did. So you talk about a welcome to the big leagues moment. Uh, that was it. That was the one. And then I'll, I'll tell you one more story. You know, that's kind of in that similar vein in terms of welcome to the big leagues. Think of it as, as welcome to Kauffman Stadium. Mm-hmm. I did two games here at Kauffman Stadium last year. Uh, the first one happened to be MJ Melendez's Major League debut. It's the day that Bobby Witt Jr. hit his first big league home run. Mm-hmm. That, that was day. special to begin with. Yeah. But I'm going to fast forward to opening day this year. Because even though I did a good chunk of games with the Mets last year, I didn't do opening day. And so this year was my first opening day. And the pageantry and the fanfare and the emotion of opening day was pretty overwhelming. And it really hit me during player introductions when everyone hears their name and runs out to the foul line and they announce the starting lineups World Series style. And you know for me, I'm hearing names of players that I saw in Omaha for the last two years. And Denny's to my right and Steve's right behind me and Eric is up and to my right. And I'm sitting in this radio booth at at Kauffman Stadium looking out over this sea of blue and the Royals have all these powder blue jerseys on and the hair just raises off my arms and I teared up a little bit and it was like whoa this is really happening it's finally a reality and I would say that that was definitely a welcome to the big leagues moment and certainly a welcome to the the Royals moment that I'll never forget
1: that's so cool tell me your first car (laughs)
0: <laughs> my first car was a light green Toyota Highlander. It was my mom's car that I learned to drive on, and then it was the car that my sister and I shared in high school. I have a t- I have a twin sister, and so we shared that car in high school. And that's that's the first car that I had. I love it. I yeah. well, love me
1: a good hand me down. Yeah. I like how you said it was light green too. I yeah. can really picture the color.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's what we do. That's so true. Uh, we, we describe. <laughs> if I learned
1: nothing at all. We describe. <laughs> favorite tv show of all time like comfort tv show
0: comfort tv show of all time these lightning round questions are no joke i know i mean i could be like really basic and go like oh i love the office i knew you were gonna which say which is that. true Which i is was true. just gonna
1: say you look which like is an true, office but guy that's,
0: i don't know that that's really like the show that i would gravitate toward that i'm like gonna put on you know what i'll say that i love scrubs okay scrubs is a phenomenal show Yep. uh that's that's the one that I would that I would put on just a random episode of Scrubs.
1: I figured you'd be an Office guy. I was almost going to be. I do right.
0: I do like the Office. I I wouldn't say that I like know every episode of the Office or like that, but I have watched it and do enjoy it. But I would say Scrubs. Um, I love Seinfeld. I don't know that I put that in the comfort show category, okay. but it's one that I'll go back to and, and rewatch a bunch. Um, yeah, anything like that.
1: All right. What would your walk up song be?
0: <laughs> you know had a s- sneaky suspicion that this might be a question having listened to many uh homestand oh podcasts. you're a fan that's so great oh, oh i am a fan <laughs> uh and i have been uh I-, I was paying closer attention over the last couple episodes to the lightning round questions okay uh, in preparation for what might be a lightning round today and i came up with this for for a walk-up song um now Walk up songs nowadays are a lot shorter uh-huh. because of the pitch clock. So yes. you're really you're really getting in like the opening lick to a song, if anything. Yeah. And I'm gonna come a little bit out of left field here. Okay. So so bear with me. Um there's there's a hook in a song called uh and I hope I get the title right because that'd be really embarrassing. Um a song called They Reminisce Over You. Okay. And there's a little saxophone lick right at the beginning.
1: Who's who's a bye?
0: I honestly I don't know. I, I was I was sorta of prepared. I was not fully prepared. I was gonna say
1: I was just bragging about your preparedness. And then this I, was is not, what you do. I was not
0: fully prepared. Uh I mean I could like kinda hum it for you if you want. Uh, please no. <laughs> please no. Please stop. I don't know. The peanut gallery is is, is kinda egging me on here. <laughs> it, it's okay, I'll you know I'll do. Okay, it. I'll, okay. do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. So it goes like That's how it goes. And then and then the beat drops in and it's pretty good i think that would be a pretty good walk-up song there you go
1: that was great you guys just <laughs> listening to you hum that that was great That what how can we end any other way than that
0: well you started by saying that you were jazzed to talk with me so i figured we'd bring in some scat
1: he's you a know, true bring in full circle he's a true storyteller y'all i mean does it get any better than that jake thank you so much for being here for being our guest on behalf of the Royals organization I can tell I certainly love having you as a part of our team here. You're always just happy to be there and what more could you ask for, you know, than have a smiling coworker down there that's just happy to be there. Like
0: Well, thanks, Carrie. Yeah. This is this has been a blast. I mean, we get to come to Kauffman Stadium every day and watch a baseball game. It's fun. What could possibly be better than that?
1: We're we're so lucky. It's fun. You got, you know, a lot of old guys up there, but you're holding it down the millennials. <laughs> Jake and I always joke that we're the millennials down there. I don't know. There.
0: Joel is the one who's on TikTok. I'm not even, I'm not quite there.
1: We need to get Joel on the show because he is <laughs> sneaky, like hip, like with his sneakers. And uh,
0: Don't give him too All much All right, credit. we'll
1: stop there. We've gone too far. We've said things we don't mean now. <laughs>
0: I'll give Joel a little bit of credit.
1: (laughs) All right. Tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and keep up with your ice cream pictures and everything
0: else. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. It's at Jake Eisenberg with an underscore at the end of it. Um, that's also the, the Instagram handle too. So that's where you can find all the ice cream pictures. Uh, when we go to a new ballpark, I'll take, you know, a few pictures here and there of, of the ballpark while I'm walking around and share that on Instagram too. Uh, that's been a pretty fun thing. Uh, if you're really looking for me in person, just look up to the broadcast booth, radio booth or TV booth. Uh, every now and again, I'll walk around the concourse before the game. Please say hello. Uh, I've only been in Kansas city since the beginning of January. So still trying to meet people and you know say hello so please come up to me say hi um i'll say hi back i promise i love it uh, and uh yeah reach out on social media too if that if that's your speed
1: i love it Jenk. thank you so much for being here thank you so much to you for tuning in we love having you guys for these episodes we appreciate you so much make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast because we've got more episodes coming out all the time i've been your host carrie lipper gillespie and we will see you next time